Once again, this is the podcast from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. This is Dr. Chuck McGathy, affected by the spring pollen. So I will do my best, and I hope you'll be able to recognize uh, uh, what I'm saying through all of this. This is for the fifth Sunday of Easter, and this is the message entitled Easter Destiny. Now, I would like to invite all of you to go to our website, which is easy to find. It's firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com, and there you find more about our church, what we're doing. We are like many churches now. We are in a period of some rethinking ministry, reworking ministry after a, a horrible pandemic had changed the face of ministry and Political turmoil has rifted people apart. And in the midst of all of that, the church is still going on. This is the passage that is for today, uh, and it may have some bearing upon that. Listen to the words of Jesus as recorded by John. Do not let your heart be troubled. You have put your trust in God, put your trust in me also. There are many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going away to make a place for you. After I go and make a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. Then you may be where I am. You know where I am going and you know how to get there. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way to get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can go to the Father except by me. If you had known me, you would know my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. That is all we ask. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time and you do not know me yet? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What I say to you, I do not say by my own power. The Father who lives in me does his work through me. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or else believe me because of the things I do. For sure I tell you, whoever puts his trust in me can do the things I am doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the shining greatness of the Father may be seen in the Son. Yes, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The magnificence of the words of John invites us to consider a new perspective on our lives. This gospel, a word that means good news story, was composed last of the four gospels we have in our Bible. There were actually more than the four we know. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have been canonized, that is declared authoritative and authentic. Because of that, only these four are included. 
Of those left out, the reason for their omission ranges from a late date of composition to an authorship too far removed from an original source to a concern that it was designed to serve a cultish purpose such as Gnosticism. What we have in our modern Bibles are those written accounts that best reflect the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, all four of the Gospels are different, but the strikingly different, the most strikingly different is the Gospel of John. In fact, we do not think it was actually written by the disciple named John, but by one of his students. The second generation disciple knew how to write excellent Greek. He had no doubt learned about the Lord from his teacher, John, and perhaps with his watchful eye, retold the story in a way that would make sense not only to the original followers, but also to the future followers, many of whom were non-Jewish believers called Gentiles. Because of this circumstance of writing, some may question how much confidence we can put in the Gospel of John. I believe we can put great trust in this Gospel. John's gospel is a theological reflection on Jesus. It is honest. It is revelatory. We learn, as the first followers did, just who was Jesus. We learn what he did come to do. We are confronted with his reality and his message for us and our choice to believe. Nowhere is that more evident than in the 14th chapter. It is as clear a word of hope and promise as ever was spoken. There is power and truth behind these words. No one is compelled to believe them, but we are left without wiggle room. We hear in these words an opportunity to truly know God or to walk away unconvinced. Listen to them again from another translator. Don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you trust me? There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, I would have told you that I'm on my way to get. <clears throat> if that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get a room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've seen him. Perhaps uh, Philip said, Master, show us the Father, then we'll be content. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still... Don't, you still don't understand. To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. 
The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who He is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. It is a great and wonderful thing that this passage begins by painting a picture of our Lord's compassion for us. He really cares. He really cares how you feel. He knows what it is like to pass through the dark night of doubt and fear. Let not your hearts be troubled. Reveal something so powerful about our God that we could spend the remainder of our time today just focusing upon this singular thought. This is a God who has taken on a human heart so that we might somehow sense his great heart for us. Oh, how often have I turned to these words when faced with death? Because of my calling and occupation, I am often brought face to face with those whose hearts are deeply troubled. Most often, this is at the loss of a loved one to the inky darkness of death. What can one say at such a moment? Frankly, I am at a loss for any words of my own. I don't even try. But Jesus had and has something to say on just such an occasion. As John tells it, the moment of his horrible crucifixion death was near at hand. Their hearts were troubled. The disciples were confused and worried and anxious and afraid. Jesus could feel it. He could sense it in their eyes. He could feel it in their cautious tones. I'm guessing you know what I mean. That moment when the conversation becomes hard. The realization that we are so very inadequate, so helpless, so lost. I know I have been there more than once. It is a cold, barren rock. The darkness and pain, your only companion. It feels like the end. And then those words, let not your heart be troubled. Believe. It is into this belief that we are invited. Believe what? According to Jesus, as recounted by John, there are several things about our Easter destiny we are invited to consider. First is the idea that this world, this world that we know and hold on to so fiercely, is not our final destination. We are just passing through. From the temporal to the eternal, there is a home that far exceeds what we know. When I was a Boy Scout, we would go every summer to the Ocala National Forest in Florida. Outdoor camping in Florida in June is not for the faint of heart. The high humidity and excessive temperatures make living outdoors almost unbearable. Add to that the deer flies, mosquitoes, and noceums, and you will get a pretty quick picture that Camp Lenoche was not quite paradise. Nevertheless, I loved it. I pitched my tent, organized my gear, sprayed myself down with bug spray, looked forward to the relief of an afternoon swim, and made the best of it. 
I could do that a bit easier because I knew summer camp was temporary. It was a place to learn, to develop, to grow, but it was not my permanent home. After a week, I would strike my tent, pack my gear, and go home to Maitland, a town just north of Orlando. I would go into my permanent home, take a hot shower, lie on my soft bed, and marvel at a thing called air conditioning. What if this thing Jesus is describing is in some way like that? In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. It is a place that is hard to compare to the tent experience we have here. Let's face it. We like our tents. We work hard to make the best of it. But just beyond there is a five-star hotel, the comfort of which we just cannot even imagine. Another idea, a suggestion for the person considering belief is that there lies a pathway to this eternal home. Jesus even says we already know it. That sets us up. That sets up one of the most provocative pieces of all scripture. Listen how it develops. Jesus said, you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Rather than try and understand this as a narrow, limiting path, I think Jesus wanted to indicate something different. I believe he was saying that all of the efforts we put into knowing God, all of the work, all the arguments, all the intricate reasoning we can muster still comes down to this. God's great mercy is found in Jesus. He has opened heaven up. To all, as the hymn tells us, there is a wideness in God's mercy. It's not given to us to say who God does not love and accept. Jesus affirms that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He calls each one in his own way to believe. The final thought is surely one that John and the other disciples no doubt came to fully embrace as they reflected on the life and ministry of Jesus. It was just too much to grasp too quickly. But when it settled into their souls, it made the greatest bit of logic. Jesus said to them what they had so long suspected. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This was a bit more than simply saying I am my Father's Son. Jesus is indicating that he is of the same substance as the Father. Because of that, his words, his promises can be trusted. His words can be believed. Have you ever been on a trip to some place you've never gone before? You do your best to read a map and figure out the signs, but then you inevitably get to that unmarked junction, not knowing which way to turn. Right then, it is amazing To have next to you an experienced traveler. She says, turn right here. It's only a few more miles. I will guide you. You trust her because unlike you, she knows the way. She has inside knowledge. That is Jesus. 
He has gone on before us. He knows the way. He is the way. And to us, he offers a word. It is, a, it is written to us just as strongly as it was to the first who read it. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Those power-filled words are not just for those original disciples. They are intended for us. We have much to do together. God will make it possible. Believe in him who called you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let us pray. Lord, fill us with a fresh and confident hope. Help us know that there is an eternal Easter destiny to which we are called. That we get there by and through you and we can trust you because you have returned from the grave to show us the way. In your love, we are assured our hearts, our troubled hearts are at rest. Amen.